Let's do this. The Cult of Hockey podcast by the faithful and for the faithful. I'm David Staples of the Edmonton Journal, and I'm here today with the oil knight, Sean Patrick Ryan. Welcome to the Cult of Hockey podcast again. Hey, Dave. Thanks for having me again. Appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for coming on. I've really been liking the work you've been doing recently where you've been watching the Bakersfield Condors games and uh, giving us updates on what's happening down there. I've watched probably 10 games so far this year. How many have you watched, would you say? I've watched the last 10, and then I went back and watched a few in between the beginning of the season, too. Yeah. I, I find, you know, I, I heard, I, I once interviewed Kevin Prendergast, uh, who was the head scout of the Oilers for a while and then worked for the Canadian national junior team. He was talking to get an initial assessment on a player. He'd like to see about three to five games. I actually find that not enough. I find that that can be kind of misleading, seeing a player just that small amount of time. I, I need to see a player, like I find 10 games is, that's starting to get where you start over time where you start to get a real sense of the ups and downs of the player because they can be very inconsistent um, at the NHL level and obviously at the major junior level. So what, what do you like in terms of a time frame for assessing a player? Well, I think 10 games is good, but I think it's important to, um, you know, one of the things I track and I'm sure we'll get into this is progression, right? So I like to tend to catch a player early in the season and a lot of times he's raw, and especially in the AHL, you, you, you get an idea as far as time of ice goes and, and utilization, how they're being used. And then you kind of catch them somewhere in between in the middle of the season and see yeah. if their roles have changed on the team and see if they're confidence, they've gained confidence. And then by the end of the year in playoffs and that, you'd like to see natural progression where they've kind of taken over a little bit or, you know, turned weaknesses into strengths, hopefully. Right. So I, I think it's all about timing, too. So for, for people who don't know you, your specialty is kind of looking at major junior players, especially in the OHL, and as kind of as, a, as an amateur hockey scout and just a passionate fan, and and you write blog posts on them and have been doing this for a number of years now. Yeah. yeah okay. Exactly. So what are you looking for when you're looking at these young players? I mean, you, you already identified a few things. What kind of uh, skills are you looking for? What kinds of things are you looking for in terms of a pro prospect? Yeah, well, I mean, everybody's different, but, you know, I've kind of found over the years that uh, there are certain trends or weaknesses in a lot of busts that have happened over the years, right? So I've kind of identified a few things that just that I've noticed. As far as strengths go, I think the number one, well, obviously, a prospect has to have skill. If he doesn't have skill, then, you know, we're not even having this discussion. Uh, But on top of that, you want to see the speed. It's, It's a fast NHL game. Uh, if you see a junior player, for example, that doesn't really have speed, you think will translate well to the NHL, then that's certainly a concern. And that kind of comes up in one of the red flags. Uh, but I look for speed. I look for skill and I look for smarts. I love smart hockey players. Um, you know, the hockey IQ in, in both zones, not just an offensive player, but you want you want to see that guy who's who makes smart plays in the defensive zone as well. And then the other thing, and and this is probably the number one thing, um, why so many prospects bust and why some guys just beat the odds is the compete level slash some people call it a work ethic. Um, you know, even if a guy's five, nine, 170 pounds, but he gives you a hundred percent every single shift. And every time you watch him, he just, you can't help but be impressed. That's uh, that's something you definitely have to factor in. That's why I never count out anybody, no matter how, how big they are, how little they are. If they've got that compete level, then they've got a chance. Right. So, um, those are kind of the main things I look for. And then, you know, of course the 200 foot game and things like that, those are all bonuses. But if you're, if, if you've got the speed, you've got the smarts and you compete hard, then you're definitely going to be on my radar. 
Uh, and then as far as the weak or their red flags go, I think if you kind of look over, you know, just the history, and I kind of consider myself a bit of a draft historian. If you look at the reasons why so many players did bust in the past, a few things do stand out. Um, and then obviously I talked about how important compete level is. If, if there's a player or a prospect that takes a lot of shifts off, you notice in junior, um, you know, or even take games off, he's not hustling back in the defensive zone. He's lazy, whatever. Um, that's a huge red flag. If you can't get motivated in junior as you're trying to become a pro, what are the odds once you get millions of dollars, you're going to now all of a sudden you're going to work hard. You know what I mean? So, so that's a big thing for me. Um, and then speed, like I talked about, obviously that's an issue and, uh, and, and high risk plays and turnovers. I, I think that's also another one that gets overlooked a lot. Uh, for example, a guy like Trevor Zegers, we saw at the world junior. I was uh, just going to bring him up. Yeah. Oh, right. Okay. Yeah. Cause he, he's kind of, a, he was just rated number one overall by Craig Button. But you're not you're not quite so bullish on that player. So why? Well, first of all, um, I've been doing this a long time, unofficially living in London. I've been a, a Knights fan for twenty something years. I think one of the best junior players I've ever seen in my life was Robbie Shrimp, and I learned a lot about Robbie Shrimp at the time because I loved him as a player. I'm yeah, like, this guy, he he was a wizard. He was doing like helicopter lacrosse style goal, goals and practice and all that. I'm like, there's no way this guy is not going to make the NHL. He's phenomenal. He had a yeah. Old- he had all the skill in the world, but, uh, you know, he, he was kind of lazy and, uh, you know, he was just a little too flashy and high risk. Right. And I think that's kind of the same thing I see in Zegers a bit. Only you didn't see that at the time though. You didn't, you, you were sold on shrimp. I was a hundred percent sold on shrimp. It's funny how we learn from our mistakes. Say, eh? like in, in terms of, and this is why, like I say, I, I no longer like to look at a player for three to five games and then make an opinion on that player. Yeah. I've done that. I mean, I fell in love with Jamie Alexiak in the AHL. I saw him in one playoff series against the Oilers farm team. I was thinking he was, I think, 19 or 20, and he scored 35 points in the AHL. This huge guy making all kinds of plays. I just thought, man, this guy is going to be a number one top pairing defenseman in the NHL. But I'd only yeah. seen him that one series. And um, it just it just was the first inkling, like, maybe that's not the best plan in terms well, of breaking a player. Well, and I think the Oilers made that mistake with Griffin Reinhardt too, right? Um, he had such. Well, a it's a little different because he, he was around the, the organization uh, for years. Like the guys like Lowe and McTavish and Tambellini would have seen him for years, and they yeah. just fell in, like the lo- they fell in love with the local guy, which, which I think is a whole different issue, actually. So, well, yeah, with Edmonton, maybe, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, but we saw how many Oil Kings did the the Oilers draft where they felt like Mitch, like Mitch Mraz and lots of lo- lots of high picks on local players. So, and we're going to talk about one of them, Tyler Benson, tonight. Any others that just come to mind in big in terms of big mistakes for you, like where you where you had a learning lesson? Um, well, just with with the Shrimp and Perry, I used to work right beside um, the gym there. Yeah, and those two used to come in and, and work out all the time. Yeah. And, I remember one, and I won't say who, one of them used to really work out hard and the other would hit the treadmill a lot and just try and pick up chicks. And I never really thought of it at the time. I'm like, you know, it doesn't really make a difference. I thought Shrimp was going to be the man and I wasn't sold on Corey Perry at all. But when I talk about work ethic, it's it's on the ice and off the ice. And if a guy doesn't have it, and you know, as an amateur scout, I don't, I'm not really privy to a lot of this, yeah. right? But, um, you know, if a guy's got the work ethic on and off the ice, great. But if he doesn't, that's a huge red flag. And, you know, that's just something I, you know, you read reports and if you see that, you have to be cognizant. That, that's kind of the, the main gist of it. 
Let's go start going through the owners' prospects then, and, and we won't start with who I think is actually the best. We'll we'll save Evan Bouchard to last, okay. because um, uh, I just want to hear your take on him because Bruce and I have weighed in on him in recent weeks. So let's start with uh, let's start with Tyler Benson, um, one of these uh, Edmonton guys that you know. Part of the reason I think Edmonton drafted Tyler Benson was he was a local Edmonton guy, and the the top scout uh, Bob Green really fell in love with his hockey player. What do you think of him? In terms, what, what's your take on him? What's what? It, what? Let's start with is what NHL translatable skills do you see in his game right now? What what's the plus side with this player? So he definitely has the great passing ability. That's that's kind of the first thing that jumps out. He, he makes some incredible passes. He's got the vision, um, and he seems like he's got good hockey sense. Like he reads the ice well. He doesn't seem to turn the puck over a lot, which is another thing I like. Um, but that's kind of his bread and butter. He's like that pass first playmaking winger. Um, he almost plays like a center, but, um, do you see a lot of winners like that in the NHL? You don't. And somebody asked me there the other day, yeah. who do you remind you of, and I, I really had to kind of pause and think how many wingers are pass first in the NHL. And there's not a lot, right? Uh, Gus Nyquist is one guy that does kind of come to mind, but other than that, I mean, he, he's got some, some good hands in close as well. Benson yeah. and, uh, and for the most part he competes hard like every every game he, yeah. he's at least trying right so those are kind of the strengths I think as far as you know translatable skills okay what about a weakness what are you what are you noticing what concerns you about him as a prospect yeah well I think the foot speed is probably the main thing and, and it's the overall lack of, of quickness and explosion uh, watching those 10 games I noticed there was a lot of times he struggled to to gain entry into the zone, and when he did, he got rubbed out on the boards kind of right away. Defenders can kind of close the gap on him quickly because he doesn't have that separation speed or that you know that quickness to kind of get away. So that's one thing I worry about a, a little bit. He can be he can kind of be checked and and, and rubbed out of the play too much. Um, and then as far as his shot goes, I mean, he plays on the power play, and maybe we'll talk about this too at some point when he gets Maximoff. But he plays on the power play in the left circle. And uh, again, he's not a shooter at all. He's, he's more of a passer. And when he does get a, a, an opportunity to shoot or a one-timer, I think he kind of lacks a little bit in that area. He's not really a scoring threat. Again, he's always kind of looking to make that pass, right? So He's kind of a poor man's Nuge. Like he, he, he's a passing winger, which is what Nugent Hopkins is right now. Uh, and, uh, but without that, that um, excellent skating speed. And when it, I, have to, I have to admit, when you brought up that him coming in over the blue line and getting rubbed out on the boards, I had a sinking feeling. I've yeah. seen that. I've seen. That. Yeah, well, and I'm hoping for this player, right? Like I want him to succeed. Mm-hmm. But um, the difference between him and Yamamoto is Yamamoto had that speed, that extra gear, where he and elusiveness in the offensive end, where it was just he could just make space for himself with his feet, quick feet. Benson struggles through that. Fortunate, like he does. It's interesting because he does have that really uh, unique ability to make a great pass and to make a solid play on the boards. And I really like his toughness. I think these are all pluses. It's interesting in Edmonton because you have a group of centers who dominate the puck so much in Dreisaitl and McDavid and Nugent Hopkins. He might have an easier time making the Oilers. He might actually find a place on the Oilers where he, where if they needed kind of a traditional winger who could drive the puck down the ice, get it deep, make a play on his own with his speed, that might not work. But he might find a spot possibly setting up these other guys and working well with them in combination. So I agree, though. There are... Um, I can see why they called up Yamamoto first. I can see why uh, they were thinking that. And 
I'll see. I mean, I, I was not bullish on Ethan Bear until last spring. I mean, I'd watched him a long time, and I didn't think he had the skating ability. But he suddenly had the skating ability. It looked to me, and it might have just been through fitness, um, that he gained that extra gear. But I think he really did gain that extra gear um, in, in one year. So maybe the, if Benson has that same kind of commitment, he can have that same kind of – because it's not a – it's not like he has he has to get faster, but it's just just a bit faster, a yeah. bit more explosive as you and um, maybe he can do it. Well, and the thing is with him is, I mean, I'm not certainly writing him off. Like I kind of consider him a bit of a wild card because yeah. he does parts and he is kind of shifty enough where and elusive enough. If he can just find it, just give a little bit of time, he can kind of make that play. So it's possible. But another thing we got to keep in mind, like 50 percent of, of his offense comes on the power play. So yeah. when he gets to the NHL, he's not going to be on the number one power play. They're already set. So what is he going to produce five on five, right? And if he doesn't have the speed and quickness, it's going to be really tough. So I know a lot of fans were are excited with the results from Yamamoto. And like you said, they're they're two totally different players. So I wouldn't I would kind of temper the expectations. I think he deserves a shot in the NHL, but I wouldn't get too excited and expect too much right away. Yeah, Bruce and I were comparing him to kind of Sam Gagne kind of player. Um yeah. And I think that's a fair comparison. And um, when Sam Gagne was in the AHL four years, four games earlier this year, um, he 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 kind of looked like Benson a lot. Benson's a little bit tougher though, so we'll see. Maybe there's a chance. Maybe, but Gagne may have a bit better offensive game um, in terms of being a bit more elusive in the offensive end. Let's move on to Kirill Maximov, who's been a longtime favorite of yours. Yeah. Um, so you but, checked in. I'm sure one of the reasons you checked in was to see, you're looking at Maximov's stats line. It's not great in the AHL this year so far, and you're wondering what's going on with this guy. So what what would you say in terms of his? Uh, let's start with the plus side again. What's what translatable NHL skills are you seeing in him now, if any? What do you see? Well, he definitely has an NHL shot. I think we all know that. Um, his I haven't is- seen it very much in the AHL. I'm going to get to that. He, uh, yeah, his NHL, his shot is NHL to release one time. It's just unbelievable, right? Uh, and he's got, uh, and he's aggressive too. He's he's physical. He's aggressive on the forecheck. He's guilty of taking too many bad penalties, sometimes retaliatory penalties because he is physical. Uh, but he's a big guy. And, and I like his compete level. He's always at least skating hard. He's coming back defensively. Uh, you def- definitely notice him out there. Um, yes, Maybe not shooting, but he's always kind of around the puck. He's a puck out, right? So that and, and he can play on the power play, which we haven't seen much yet, but he can also penalty kill as well. So he, he kind of plays a variety of different roles. So he's versatile, which helps as well. And and the other strength I, I think is, and people kind of knocked on this before, and I've been following him his whole career, is I think his skating has actually improved even more before his injury in Niagara. He looks like a stronger skater than he did to finish up the season in the OHL. He's worked his way up to the second line uh, with Colby Cave and Luke Esposito. He is a solid two-way player. He just hasn't yet taken that step to uh, become a scorer like he was in junior hockey. So, And we, we're not seeing that shot yet. Um, and part of it, like uh, Woodcroft's power play. I'm, like I like Jay Woodcroft as a coach. I've never really liked his power play because he never plays the shooters on their off wings. Right. And I, I never understand that. Uh, why coaches don't do that honestly it's always a mystery to me and I've never had anyone explain it to me like why is Benson not on his off wing why isn't Maximov regularly deployed on his off wing I don't get it but that's the Woodcroft power play I mean that's what he likes doing and it's you know in in Edmonton we see Nuge who's not on his off wing and he's doing fine so if you have a a strong enough player it can work but 
Maximov needs to be on his off wing firing pucks at the net. And I think Benson would improve as a shooter too. And as a pastor, you just, as a passer, you're just much more dangerous. And um, yeah, Max, he was on the power play the last game. He was, he was finally getting some ice time on the power play. I noticed. So. Yeah. Well, in, in Edmonton, they don't really have any big right-handed shot players. Yeah. There. Whereas Maximov has the best shot amongst the forwards. Anyways, he has the best shot on the team, but like you said, he hasn't really got an opportunity to use it much. And, uh, and that's kind of the big thing that I noticed is just his usage in general. Uh, he, with him, even in Niagara, he, he requires, he, he's not a driver of the play. He, he's kind of like what Dreisaitl was when he was playing with McDavid. Give the puck to McDavid and then go get open. And then they yeah. him and he would hammer it, right? Well, he doesn't really have that player right now. With all due respect to Colby Cave and Esposito, they don't really create a lot of offense. So I notice, you know, he'll give it up to somebody and then he'll go to look to get open, but he never gets the puck back, right? And then on the power play two that you were saying where he was, he was there, they had him in the bumper position and he was successful yes. in Niagara in the bumper position, but a lot of teams are playing that passive box. They're kind of taking that away. So why wouldn't you move him to the left circle, left half wall where he can, he has an unbelievable one timer and, you know, and, yeah. just, and let him shoot more because he averaged four shots a game in, in his whole junior career. He's only averaging like one and a half right now in Bakersfield. He needs to shoot the puck more put him in more offensive positions, give him an opportunity more. Um, but unfortunately, I feel like that's not going to happen, at least till Benson is maybe called up to the to the NHL. Well, they could move Benson over. They could just, you know, put Maximov on the left half while Benson on the right. And at even strength, play play Maximov with Marodi, see how that goes when Marodi gets, seems to be hurt this year quite a bit. Um, okay, um, downside with Maximov, what do you think? Uh, I mean, the skating is, he's not super fast, obviously, so... No, but he's a, he's a strong enough. I would say he's a strong. Okay. Enough what do, what are, what are you concerned about in terms of him making it or not? Um, I I honestly feel like he's going to be a good NHLer. Like I okay. Because when we talked about the strengths and that, I mean, he works hard. And and just from people that I know, he he has an unbelievable work ethic off the ice. He he works as hard as anybody. He's a leader off the ice. There's a lot of things that he brings. He kind of checks all those boxes. Um, he needs to make sure he, he stays disciplined, doesn't take the unnecessary penalties. I still noticed there was a few in Bakersfield. Kind of reminds me a little bit of Pouliot there. Um, <laughs> taking some well, Pouliot, it was a good, he was an okay player. Yeah. yeah, but I don't mind the chippiness and the aggressiveness, right? Um, so there's that. And, and I think just confidence, overall confidence. He, he needs to be a little bit more assertive and, and just shoot the puck more. Instead of trying to get, you know, a little too fancy, he had opportunities the last few games. He's coming down the wing, and instead of just ripping it, he got a little too cute and tried to deep the goalie, and, you know, and right. stop. So, but I, I believe in that player for sure. Grip it and rip it. Ryan McLeod, plus side. So obviously the the plus side with Ryan McLeod is his speed. Um, he's got NHL speed. He's just he's just beautiful to watch. Even if you don't know what number he is, you just turn on a Condors game, you just watch. Oh, that's McLeod. You can just tell, right? Um, and I'd love to see him and Maximoff together, actually, because he could he could get those zone entries and then he could set up Maximoff. Uh, but eventually, I, I'm sure that's going to happen. Um, but yeah, he's and, and with McLeod, too, is he's he's a fantastic passer, much like Benson. He has great vision as well. He can make those plays and, and he's a and he's a solid penalty killer and a solid two way player. He's got a lot of things you look for as well in terms of NHL translatable skills. So um I would, downside? I would pretty much it. Well, the downside is still the same as it was in junior. Um, he doesn't shoot the puck enough. 
and he doesn't go to the dirty areas enough. Although I notice he is getting a little more physical along the boards and I see him kind of hanging around in the, around the crease a bit more recently, but he just needs to, you know, put on his big boy pants and just go harder to the net and, you know, just, uh, and shoot that puck more because he does have a great release. He does, he can shoot the puck, but I mean, you know, Maximoff had 74 goals in, in his last two seasons in the OHL. Well, McLeod only had 61 his entire five years in the OHL. He's not shooting the puck enough, right? But he has that there. So you just want it's, him to kind of. Yeah. It's interesting know. when I watch the AHL players, I often see guys with pretty uh, superlative skill, like really strong skill. And I just think if you just were a nasty bugger out there, if you just were an agitator and like, you know, like an Antoine Roussel, I remember him in the AHL. Just carving a career out of nothing, really. Just by just by hustling all out, going yeah. for it, being super tough. And it's easy for me to say this. I don't have to. Do, I don't have to do this. I'm not. You know, I don't have to, I don't have to back it up on the ice. But I just yeah. think you could earn ten to twenty million dollars, Ryan McLeod. You, mm-hmm. Kiro Maximov, you can earn twenty million dollars. Like that's just within your grasp. But you, not so much with Maximov, because I think we do see that grit. But with McLeod, I just think if you just once a game decided, okay, I'm going to put someone through the boards with a hit, that's what yeah. I'm going to do, yeah. and and I'm, that's how I'm going to play the game. And every chance I have to do that, I'm going to do that. Twenty million dollars, you could have yeah. that. So yeah. <laughs> I just wonder, is it just a maturity thing that they don't they don't see that, uh, that they don't get. The, the, the equation is in some ways, you know, play on the defensive side of your player in your own zone, become a solid, like when you're on the ice, like think of two things. I'm going to be always on the right side of my check in the defensive zone. Always, 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 always. And in the offensive zone, whenever I get a chance to hit someone, I'm going to hit them. And I can make $20 million if I just do those things. And I just wonder like why that connection isn't made with more young players like McLeod. Maybe it's just, I don't know. It yeah, baffles it's just- me just what they're used to, right? He's such a phenomenal skater. He's used to skating around everybody and going all the way around the net. And then if you would just take it harder than that, crush the net, who cares, right? But Dave Manson's down there. Maybe he can kind of instill some, some fear in him. So have you seen much of Sam Arukov? Uh, no, because he was out there for a bit. I, I saw him the last few games when he came back. He looked, yeah. Okay. Uh, I, I have seen him and he's looked, he's looked markedly better from the, um, uh, the beginning of the year when he was tentative, but he came on strong. So, um, Jim, you don't have any, we can just move on from him then if you haven't seen him enough recently to, to say yeah. much. Well, the only thing with him is, and I kind of talked about this before, I think with, with you in, in the preseason there, for him, it's just kind of focus on defense first. And he was a bit of a, a rover, especially in his, in his, his last year at, uh, yeah. with Guelph, right? Just don't worry so much about the offense and pinching all the time. Just kind of be a nasty stay at home defenseman first. Take care of your own zone first. And it, it seems like that's what he's doing. I didn't know. It, it is. And, yeah. And that, like, that's what you want. So cause he can be a nasty, nasty player when he wants to be. I, I really liked his development and I thought he was coming along strong and then he, he, he's been out. So. Um, let's go to the junior players before we get to Bouchard. Let's go to Philip Broberg. I didn't watch the World Junior Tournament. I'm, I'm going to get enough hockey, honestly, from playing, coaching, and watching the Oilers. I, I have hockey all the time. And so the World Juniors is just like, no, I'm just burnt out on it. But you did. Yeah. What did you think of Philip Broberg? Um, I think there was good and bad with Broberg. Um, so let's talk about what skills does he have that translate to the NHL? Well, he makes a good first pass. He, he's got good straight along, straight ahead speed. Um, I mean, he's, he's got good size. He, he seems to, 
he rubs he rubs the uh, the attackers out along the boards a lot. He wins a lot of board battles. I noticed. It's funny because he kind of reminds me a lot of a lot of Nurse, and I know other people have mentioned that before. Yeah, yeah. there's a lot of similarities between the two. There, the there are really right. Um, but same skinny good... neck when they're same skinny neck at that same age too. Like Nurse was kind of a string bean then too. He was, yeah. So I that that's kind of what I see. I see the speed. I see the puck moving ability, and uh, he he's good at you know gap control and things like that in the defensive zone. Seems to be pretty strong there. What do you not? like um there's there's nothing i really don't like a lot i just feel like he could get better in a lot of areas like he's still a little bit raw in a lot of areas um you know it's he he's not the most mobile even though he has a great straight ahead speed he's not the most agile player especially in the defensive zone when guys are going east west on him he kind of loses track of loses track of the player there and um, he's got a big shot, but he doesn't, he's not the most accurate on that. And, and I think his, his, his hockey IQ is still somewhat questionable. He makes kind of questionable decisions for me at times where I watch him. Like, why did he do that? You know, that didn't make a lot of sense to me or, well, that wasn't a, that was a dumb play. You know, I, I still kind of, and, and, you know, nurse can be guilty of that sometimes as well. Even, even today off often Darnell nurse, right? right. I complain. So that, he gets the puck at the blue line in the offensive end nurse and there's no, great you know we're just we don't see that great play like you see with ethan bear right like that smart heady play where he makes a quick fake and finds a little space for himself and dishes the puck off to someone very sweetly you know who's wide open you don't see that from nurse and and it sounds like we're not seeing that from broberg what's interesting about broberg is how much his coach loves him in sweden his pro coach in skeleftia um just was just raving about him as the most talented young swedish defenseman and he's been around swedish hockey for 40 years, this guy, yeah, national okay. teams, Olympic teams, the elite league. And he said, like, he was comparing him to, I can't remember, was it Hedman? It was like the very highest level. I mean, he, 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 he compared him to Freddie Olofsson. I think that's the guy's name from the, an eighties player who was, who was pretty damn good, but, and, but he was just raving about him. So that was really encouraging to me that his pro coach loves him that much. Mm-hmm. Um, so we'll see. Um, would you, who would you have taken in that slot? I mean, I, I can't venture, I guess, but who would you have taken if, if you had had that pick based on what you had seen, which, and I, I know you were like, you didn't have probably expert knowledge of Broberg at that time. I'm guessing you hadn't seen well, him enough to, yeah. to go ahead, but oh, who would you... well, yeah, I, I saw Broberg enough. I, I felt, Oh, you did. Okay. Yeah. I wasn't as high on Broberg. I had him in the twenties. I'm actually going to release this week. Uh, my mock drafts from the last, last four years, every player I would have taken who Edmonton took. So something to keep an eye out for. Um, I was big on Philip Tomasino who plays, uh, I remember that. Yeah. Played for Niagara. Now I was kind of saying, okay, well we should trade down for him. That was kind of the main thing because he was still my guy. Um, but if, if, you know, just based on who was on the board, Cole Caulfield would have been the guy I would have took, um, based on, you know, everything because needed a shooter. Right. And I felt like he was the best guy that could put the puck in the net. Fair enough. I can't. I have no comment because I haven't seen him play enough at, at all, honestly. So, um, all right, let's go to Lavoie, who I saw in the Oilers training camp. What do you think of his game? Um, he, there, there's a lot to like with him as well. There, there's some good and bad. Um, you know, he's he's got good size and he, he can be physical. He's he's really hard on his stick. That's one thing that I noticed. And uh, you know, he wins a lot of puck battles along the boards and that. He has a, a phenomenal shot, just as good as Maximoff. Probably a better uh, wrist shot than Maximoff. Um, it, 
you know, he can really rip that puck. And that's something obviously Edmonton needs is, is, is top end speed is pretty good. Um, you know, he's, he's defensively responsible for the most part. There's a lot to like, but the, the main thing is he's going to hang his hat on is that shot and release. Um, I just, I'm not sure if it's going to, if he's going to be able to get that off when he gets to the NHL, but, but yeah. So I just want to see, uh, is he one of those guys that's going to be next year, a junior or next year? Is he a, yeah, he'll be in the AHL next year. He, he's as he's like a September or October birthday, right? Like late September, early October. Is he not? Or yeah. So he'll be in the AHL next year. He somewhat like yep. Broberg will still be in the world junior tournament next year. Yeah. That's crazy. Um, yeah, he was the youngest player, I believe, on this. Well, not the youngest player. He was the youngest defenseman on Sweden, mm-hmm. uh, on that Swedish team. So, I mean, that's one of the things when I when I rate Broberg, he's he's like a full two years younger almost than than uh, Evan Bouchard. He's not just a year younger. Um, so um, he, looks, he looks about ten years younger. <laughs> yeah, Evan Bouchard looks like. Well, that's <laughs> All right, let's talk about Evan Bouchard. Um, what you you saw him a lot. Obviously, you saw him a ton, and I remember um, you liked uh, Noah Dobson a little bit better, as I recall, in their draft years. Um, and you know, we'll see. We'll see in the end who becomes a better pro player. What do you think now of Bouchard, based on your recent viewings? What do you What are you liking in his game and not liking in his game? Yeah. Well, just just to clarify, I always I always liked Bouchard. Uh, yes, you did. I, I always and I thought he was a great. It was pick. Close. Yeah. Yeah, I thought he was a great pick or great fit for the Oilers because they needed that offensive defenseman quarterback style. And I kind of compared him to John Carlson, who also played in the NH or also played for the Knights uh, long term, right? And then I kind of projected Noah Dobson to be more like Petrangelo. So they're two kind of different players, but yeah, I would have took Dobson over. Pretty nice comps for both of them. Yeah. So, I mean, as far as Bush goes, I mean, he's progressing great. I don't understand you know, button and some of these people that put out these lists and, and don't have them on there. It, it just makes absolutely no sense to me. Um, as far as I'm concerned, he still projects as a number one or a top pair defenseman. Um, I remember, was it two years or two years ago, maybe I wrote uh, for the Edmonton journal there. I put a thing out. Patience is required for Evan Bouchard. Yes. A lot of people wanted to rush him. And I said, just wait defensively. He's got a lot of warts on defense. Right. And I think people understand that now. Um, yes. You know, but he's, I mean, he's got a great ceiling and, and the thing is, you know, he's, he is a, whether we admit it or not, he is a bit of a finesse defender, right? Yes. He's, he's never going to be that, you know, real physical diving down, blocking shots, real aggressive defender. He's just going to beat you with skill, right? He's going to move the puck real, you know, he's going to be real savvy and show a lot of poise and just kind of move that puck real quick and, uh, you know, get it out of his zone. But I, I really like what he's worked on. I really like his gap control as well. He, you know, he, he sticks to guys now. He doesn't give them any room and they come into that zone. He's on them. And then when they go around the boards, he, he doesn't give them, you know, five or six feet to let them get away. He stays on them. So that's, I know that was a big point yeah. of emphasis in the NHL, right? That's the big um, difference I'm seeing in his game. Like, um, well, I'm seeing two things. Offensive confidence is increasing f- from the start of the year. Yeah. And which is not surprising at all. That's expected. But the thing that I'm liking is he's tougher in the zone entries. His gaps better. And he's like, you say, he's just sticking with guys better. He's positionally better. Like he's just making sure he just keeps his body. And that's all Justin Schultz ever had to do. Like I, I see them as kind of similar players in some ways. Mm-hmm. Um, that's all you have to do is just, just be positionally sound. Like you don't like Chris Russell doesn't blast people. He just, yep. he's super intense. He's just with you. He's on you. He's wherever you go. 
he's he's just making sure that he's there. That's what happened to Bouchard. He's not going to be, he doesn't have Chris Russell's intensity, but he, that's what he has to do. He just has to be there and he's got to be in front of them. And he's starting to do that more. And that's really encouraging because the last thing I want to see, and he's, and I still see it now and then, is tune into these games and see him get walked. And yeah. it happens now. It still happens now and then. Yep. And, and like, he's not playing with the greatest AHL player in the world in Keegan Lowe. And, <laughs> and, this yeah. is a heart like I know Keegan like he's Kevin Lowe's son and like Kevin Lowe's a great guy and Keegan Lowe was a good player but you know if he was playing with Ryan Stanton like he would have that much more he wouldn't have to make up for somebody else's mistakes put it that way yeah but I agree boy he is really rising to the occasion and I'm uh, I'm more excited now about Evan Bouchard as a prospect easily more excited than I've ever been watching him the last uh, little while in, in Bakersfield. What, what about you? Do you have the same feeling or is it this more expected um, in terms of his development from your perspective? Yeah, this is kind of what I expected. I think I, I mentioned previously, I, I expected him to at least spend half the season in the AHL for perhaps a whole year and then be up by next year. I just, I don't see how they can keep him down just because he, he moves the puck so well, he can run a power play and, and you're just talking about offensive players. Like just if you just think about the NHL, like look at Eric Carlson. He was never he's never been a great defender. He still gets walked, right? Uh, yeah, John, they all John, do. John Carlson, who I compare him to, John Carlson was the same way in London and he was the same way in Washington for years. He would still get beat defensively, but there's so much offensive upside, and and he has the poise and he has great leadership too. He's taken on a leadership role and in, in, in Bakersfield and he can run a power play. There's so many good things that he offers that as long as he's good enough like we said, to just kind of stick to his man and get that puck out of his own quickly. He doesn't have to be, you know, a, a superb defender. He just has to be good enough because the offense will more than make up for it. If they have Bouchard in the NHL next year, and I, I personally think they should be kind of planning to make room for him on yeah. the Oilers for next year. They got it just like they had to move Sekra out to make room for either Caleb Jones or Ethan Bear. Mm-hmm. Um, your, your team has to change. So, but I mean, I, I don't know what the move they're going to make is, but uh, if you have a right side defense on the Edmonton Oilers and it's, you know, you have Adam Larson, Ethan Bear, and Evan Bouchard, you've got a pretty good right side defense. Um, oh, yeah. And the thought of uh, Bouchard playing um, with McDavid on this, uh, even strength with McDavid, power play with McDavid and dry saddle is just thrilling. Like we could start to see some real magic because he's a magical offensive player. And, yeah. and I see it in just little things. His bank passes off the boards. Like even when he makes a bank pass off the boards, it's right on the other guy's hockey stick. Yeah. So it's astonishing. His his hand eye coordination, his dexterity with the puck, that that ability to make that kind of play. That's that is he's he, I think he's a better passer than Justin Schultz. And Justin Schultz was a pretty good passer of the puck. Yeah. But uh Bouchard shoots it harder and he passes uh a little bit more accurately. He's a little bit I mean they're Schultz is, was super calm with the puck. So I think they're, they're similar in that way. And Bouchard's going to drive people crazy in the same way that Justin Schultz did, did with that kind of almost unnatural calmness on the ice, which some people will interpret as a lack of intensity. But um, they're just, that's how they play the game. They slow it down, they take it slow, and uh, but they're smart. Well, I was just going to, I'm going to ask you about his, his speed, your thoughts on his speed in a second. But the one thing I, I want to point out with Bouchard that I loved and I think it's very underrated is especially on the power play. He has that, what I just, I've been referring to as a lob shot where he'll just, he'll take his stick 
and he'll throw it to the net, but then his stick ends up like up here, how he does it. And it's just, it's such a good release and, and it's such a tippable puck. It's, it's hard and it's on, on the net. You can either tip it or if, if, if the goalie screened, it'll go top corner, right? It's, it's almost like a Brett Burns thing where he changes angles and he kind of just gets. Yeah, it is. It is like that. That's the, the player who does that best at the NHL level. Yeah. Yeah. So, and he approaches that. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. So what did you, I just, I'm curious your thoughts on, there's a lot of people that criticize Bouchard and say he's not quick enough, his speed. What are your thoughts on that? Well, he doesn't get, Bruce was saying, he doesn't get beaten puck battles, puck races too often, does he? Like when he's going back for the puck and when he goes back, again, he's so dexterous that he, he's going back for a puck and he easily picks it up off the boards because he's got that great, he's highly coordinated. So he doesn't, he, he, he's got enough speed to get there first. And then he just is so smooth when he gets the puck that he's able to make the play. So he's one of those deceiving players because he is quite a large guy and he doesn't seem to have a lot of fast twitch muscles. He's got the slow twitch going on, but he, he seems to, he gets there and he beats players to the puck. Um, you know, my concern was his backwards speed, his backwards agility, like you pointed out with Broberg side to side. Well, can he stay with players defensively? And I think he can, I'm, I'm starting to see that he can do that at the pro level, at the AHL level. And, um, I'm looking forward to seeing him in Edmonton next season. I think it's going to happen, and I think it's like I'm getting I'm getting really excited about it. So uh, we'll see if it pans out or not. Maybe I'm, maybe we're both dead. Maybe I'm dead wrong here, and he's not going to make it. <laughs> I, I think you'll be right. My son's excited because we have a uh, I have a blank Oilers jersey signed by Bouchard. So yes, we should we should probably put the number two on it now and get Bouchard on there and make it official. Yeah, he's excited. Alrighty, well, I think we're done our list. I just want to thank you for coming on tonight, and um, hopefully, we'll get you on again soon. Yeah, well, I appreciate uh, I, re- I appreciate it a lot, and you know, hopefully, we can fill the gap a little bit here for Oilers fans <laughs> without hockey for a bit. Well, we've all we got uh, we have Turtle Gate to talk about, so uh, it's an endless source of an, an entertainment. And you watched Kachuk a lot, man. I was I liked him in junior hockey. I, I really liked that hockey player when he played when he played in London, he was such a strong passing, attacking hockey player, physical, tough and nasty. He's yeah. the same thing in the NHL and I wish the others had him, but they don't. So yeah, I agree. Go. All right. Thanks again. All right. Thanks Dave. And in the meantime, and in between times, this has been another edition of the cult of hockey podcast. <laughs>